begin our reading, uh, if you will, uh, at verse number 11 today. Uh, and I do count it a privilege to be here in this place. Uh, you know, the book of Ephesians, in this first part, we get to understand who we are and whose we are. We get, to, we get to know some things about ourselves uh, to help us to be able to understand God's plan for his church. Can I get a witness? Um, you know, what we, di- what we discovered was is that that plan that God has is his plan. So God the Father is the author of the plan. Remember that? God the Father is the author of the plan. Jesus Christ is the executor of the plan. And the Holy Spirit is the revealer of the plan. The Holy Spirit shares with us what God is. We know as we study this passage that, that the plan of God as it relates to his church and his redemptive plan for mankind was not fully known in the Old Testament. Can I get a witness? It was not fully known in the Old Testament. It was hidden in the Old Testament, but it's revealed in the New Testament, right? So now we get the privilege of being able to look back and to see that God's plan which he had already crafted from the foundations of the world, his plan is now visible and known to us, the body of Christ. Now, as we know that plan, it's important for us to, to, to begin to embrace the plan and begin to live our life like in, in accordance to that plan. Amen? So God's church is his church. You know, I, 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 for a while there, I was uh, specifically emphasizing the fact that that the church doesn't belong to us, all right? That's important to know because sometimes uh, we get selfish and we want things the way we want it, right? And, and, and if we don't have a certain thing, a certain way in our church, we tuck tail and run because everything wasn't suited to my taste. But I will tell you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is his church and whatever we do should be done to honor him. Right? To honor the Lord. So we get into this, uh, this, this part of our, our, our uh, lesson in this second chapter. We said on last week that uh, there's some things that we, uh, four specific works that were revealed uh, in the first part of this book. We said we saw sins w- work against us uh, in the first part of this book. We saw God's work for us uh, in the first part of this, this chapter here. We saw God's work in us. And then we see God's work through us, all right? We saw sins work against us. We saw God's work for us. And we saw God work in us. And then we saw God's work through us. God, whatever God is going to do in the earth realm, listen to me very carefully. He's going to do it through man. All right, y'all with me? He's going to do it through man. Now, again, he empowers man. He, he gives man spirit, his Holy Spirit, to help man do the work but he's going to work through men to execute his plan in earth realm. The Holy Spirit working through men to execute God's plan. Amen? Now let's get to this 11th verse of the second chapter and we'll begin to to delve into this a little bit deeper. So, Because I want each one of us to know and understand that God loves us and he wants to use us for kingdom building purposes. Right? All right. So notice what it says. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Let's park there just for a second. 
We understand that the Jewish ethnic race was the race that God chose to birth the Savior into the earth ram through, right? In order for God to interject himself into human history, he had to come through a man, right? So he chose the Jewish ethnic group, the nation of Israel, to birth the Savior into the earth ram. Now, here's the problem. A lot of those Jews began to think that they understood God's plan fully. And they thought that they were God's chosen people, and they thought that they had a patent on God. You know what it means to have a patent on something? If you invent something, you best go down to the patent office and get it patent, because if not, somebody will go copy your invention and then make money off of your bridging idea. Right? They thought they had a patent on God. They thought that because they were God's chosen people, that they were the people that the Savior was birthed in the earth ran through, that nobody could come to God except by way of them. In other words, you had to be born as a natural born Jew. Or you were a proselyte, a Gentile who had to become Jewish in custom and in behavior and rituals in order to be in, the, in, in relationship with the Holy God. That was never God's plan. They, they got confused because God used them to bring the Savior, but, but they rejected the Savior and the message of salvation went to the Gentiles. Everybody stay with me today. Alright, so, so here they are uh, thinking that uh, that, that because of they were circumcised physically, it says even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Now watch this. Hear me carefully. Every male was, y'all know what it means to be the cutting away of the foreskin of the male sex organ. Okay? Uh, the male sex organ is the penis. This is biology 101. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Anybody in biology? You know, we can say penis because that's what, that's biology. How many of y'all had biology in school? But y'all talk about body parts. All right? We're talking biology, okay? So, prayerfully, you know, you've talked about biology with your children. So, so the cutting away of the male foreskin was a sign of the covenantal relationship between the Jewish people and their holy God. Y'all with me? But now, what they fail to understand is that the outward sign, that was just an outward sign, come on, of the covenant. That sign couldn't change their heart. I have this wedding ring on my. How many men have a wedding ring on your f- finger? Or how many of you are married but you don't have a wedding ring on there? All right, come on now, guys. Now y'all, y'all got. So I need some. How many of y'all are married? Let me see. Married men. Me, me. How many of y'all married men wear your wedding ring? Okay, good, 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 good. All right, y'all that don't. Maybe you don't have it with you. That's cool. And here, here, here's my analogy here. Even though you don't have it on, you got to be married in here. Such that if you go out in public, even though you don't have the ring on, you act like you got one on. Because there are some guys who have it on, but they're not acting like they're married. Can we back up and say that one more time? There are some guys who have it on, but they're not acting like they're married. These Jewish believers were, these Jewish people who are part of God's covenant people, they, they were circumcised physically, but many of them, their heart hadn't been transformed. Can I get five witnesses up here today? So, 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 so you ought to wear your ring. Now, listen, I don't wear my ring all the time. Uh, because sometimes I'm jogging, I'm running, I just, and sometimes I just, you know, uh, it, it, sometimes I have trouble to get it on because it, any of y'all's ring got tight over the years? 
So, Brother Ken, if I'm doing work in the yard or cutting grass, I don't have my wedding ring on. But that don't mean that I'm not married. I shouldn't be cutting the grass, going down the street and watching the, the sister from the, across the street. <laughs> Even though I don't have my ring on. Y'all get my drift. All right, so it says, it says, you were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected on their bodies and not their hearts. Next verse, let's read. Let's go. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Now, park there for a second. The Apostle Paul is a writer of our text. He's writing to a primarily Gentile church, the church of Ephesus. We know about Ephesus and, and, and how that, that region of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, was a, was a very prosperous region. It was a cosmopolitan city, but, but, but many of them did not know the Lord. All right, y'all with me today? So it says, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Now watch this. Let's go. Verse 13. But now, everybody say, but now. But now. You have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through what? The blood of Christ. Don't forget that. Next verse. Let's go. It says this. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Okay, can we park here for a second? Now, now in your outline... We go into this next section of this chapter. We said Jesus removed the barrier. Everybody say Jesus, Jesus. Removed, removed the barrier. Okay. Say it one more time. Say Jesus, Jesus. Removed, removed the barrier. Okay. Say it one more time. Jesus, Jesus. Removed, removed the barrier. Okay. I need you to say it again. I need you to get it down inside the spirit. One more time. Say Jesus. Remove, Remove the barrier. The barrier. So what, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, first of all, there was separation. The Gentiles were separated. And uh, as a part of God's historical plan, he knew he was going to bring them in. But there was a process. He started with the Jews and then it was to the Greek or the Gentiles. Now, remember what I said? I told you, don't forget this because I got to bring this up the modern day term. Most people, when they read Jew and Gentile, don't even think of it in the way that they should be thinking about it. We just think Jew and Gentile. Well, Jew and Gentile. Well, Jew and Gentile were different ethnicities. If you were not a Jew, naturally born into the Jewish family, then you were other ethnicity. You were Gentile. As far as the Bible is concerned, and when it was written, there were two classifications of people, Jew or Gentile, from a theological spiritual standpoint. You, you were either Jew or you were Gentile. Every other ethnicity. Y'all with me today? Well, now the Bible just told us, just like it is today, there was hostility between Jew and Gentile. But Pastor, well, why was there hostility? Well, first of all, again, I told you the Jewish people thought that they had a patent on God. They thought they were a little bit better than everybody else because they were connected with God. But part of this was due to the fact that many times those other ethnic groups, those Gentile nations, were actually used by God to discipline his people. It would be almost like 
if you get ready to get a whipping by your mama or your daddy, and I pull off my belt and gave your mama and daddy to whip you, you probably will get mad at me for pulling off my belt and giving to your mom and daddy to tear your behind up. All right, so let me back up because somebody going to listen to this and say, oh, passion, that's corporal punishment. You've been evil. That's child abuse. Listen, I know discipline can be done in a healthy, God-honoring way. Are y'all with me? So because somebody did it wrong, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. All right, so, so can, I, can, I, can I ask y'all a question right quick? How many of y'all that are sitting here today received the spanking when you were growing up? Now, I need y'all to look, look around, look around, look around, look at all the hands. How many of y'all received the spanking? Okay, the rest of y'all probably were spoiled, weren't you? No, no, no. Okay, some of y'all said, I didn't get a spanking, I got a... Now, watch this, watch this. Anytime discipline is exuded by God or meted out by God or meted out by a parent, it should always be done in a spirit of love. Never discipline your children, never discipline an employee out of anger, but do it out of purpose and out of love. Y'all with me today? The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So it's critically important that we as parents do that. If God used the Gentile nations to come against his Jewish people, then oftentimes they were taken into captivity. Oftentimes they, were, they, were, they, they experienced hardship and heartache because of these Gentiles. So now God is saying, okay, you're going to all be in the same body. But they're still remembering what those Gentile nations did to them. Are y'all with me today? So that was part of the hostage. Not only was it pride on the Jewish people's part, but it's also because they remembered that those Jewish, those Gentile nations oftentimes came against them and, and did some dastardly things toward them. And they had trouble getting past that. Have y'all ever had trouble getting past anything before in your life? And so, so but again, God's purpose was to bring them all together as one, right? So, so when we look at this, so, so that was part of the issue there. When, when we go back, if you will, Look back at, at the second chapter again, and let's go to um, verse number 14. Go back to verse number 14. He says in verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when he, in his own body on the cross. He did what? He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this. By ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Verse 16, for good measure, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Now watch this. If anybody now at this point in time after Christ having hostility toward a Gentile person, then now it's it's, it's, it's because of sin in their heart, because God lets them know through the preached word that there, there's no in the, there's no longer a dividing wall between ethnic groups. In Christ Jesus, we are one. Amen. Now watch this. I got. Can I share this? I think I shared this with you one time before. You know, uh, one thing we got to realize is that we all are interconnected. Everybody say interconnected. Uh, let, me, let me back up. We. Sh- as a born-again believer, if we're really going to experience transformation in our life, 
We must submit ourselves and live in what we call interdependent relationships. See, all of us were born into this world totally dependent, right? How many of y'all have uh, um, um, babies right now, two-year-olds and under? Anybody got two-year-olds? Let me see your hands because you got babies, all right? How many of you got one five? How many of y'all got one that's 18 and under? All right, are you still, are you still buying clothes for them? Well, let me back up. How many of y'all got 25 and under? You still feeding them, still buying clothes, still putting gas in their car for them. Anybody? All right, we all come into this world, what? Totally dependent. And as we grow into maturity, we're taught in this Americanized capitalistic system of ours is that you should become what? Independent. You should be able to live by yourself, take care of yourself. You don't need no man. How many of y'all women were taught that? Well, I, I, I would take issue. Listen, it's, it's good to have a man. Not a man, but a husband. Can I say it that way? I got to clarify that because some of y'all say, yeah, I got my man. No, no, I don't want you to just have a man. I want you to have a husband. Right? All right, so, so it's, good. It's, good to, it's good to have that connectivity. All right, but, 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 but by and large, we're taught to be independent. But once we come to Christ, there is something that's called interdependent, which means that we come together because we have need of each other. We have need of authentic community. I shared it with you, and Jay, if you have that, pop this picture up for me right quick. Uh, I shared with you uh, some time ago about sequoia trees. Y'all, y'all know what a sequoia tree is? Anybody live in California know about this? In Northern California, they have these sequoia trees, trees and they grow up to be about 250 feet in, 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 in height. Look at that thing. That's, that's massive, isn't it? We don't see anything like that around here in Louisiana, do we? Man, you may have, I don't, you may have an oak, big old oak tree, but nothing of that magnitude, right? But now watch this. The sequoia trees are sometimes referred to as the largest living things on earth. And they, and they reach, again, about 250 feet in height. But there's something interesting about these sequoia trees. One thing we know that, that oftentimes when you go, the higher you go up, as we learn, when you're building a building, the deeper you have to go down in the ground to solidify the foundation. But these sequoia trees are somewhat different because their roots only run about four feet deep. Now, four feet is not very deep to try to stabilize something that's 250 feet tall. And these trees can live up to 1,500 years. But now you'll never see a sequoia tree out there by itself. Why? Because in order for them to grow this height and to, and to have that longevity, those root systems of every sequoia tree spreads out and interlocks with the other sequoia trees. So you always see them in, in, together in bunches because they draw strength and they have stability because they are connected to one another. Everybody say connected. connected. And so no sequoia ever grows alone. Amen. No believer is ever transformed alone. As I told you before, there are times in my life where I've said, all, all, if, I, if I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. How many of y'all been that way before? Long as I got King Jesus. Long as I. How many of y'all been Vicky Wine and Song? As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. I understand the, 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 the thought process behind the song, but in actuality, you deem, need somebody else. 
As a matter of fact, you were designed to live in interdependent relationships. Flip over to the fourth chapter with me right quick of the book of Ephesians. Can y'all go over with me right quick? Ephesians chapter number four. Look at verse number 11. Ephesians four, verse number 11. If we're going to become disciples of Christ and grow and be the church, we must first, first of all understand that we were separated, but we're no longer separated. Jesus Christ and his blood broke down the wall of hostility. Even when they went to the temple, uh, the Jewish men went and sat in one section and Gentile and women sat in another section. They could even be in the same area. Are y'all with me? And so that was broken down. The veil was torn in two. Even symbolically, that was torn apart so that all could come together as one. But now watch this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Verse number 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, to build the church, the body of Christ. Next verse, says what? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete what? Full and complete standard of Christ. Next verse, let's read. He says this, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Next verse. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, what? Who is the head of his body, the church. Everybody say the church. Now, uh, now, these gifts were given, five-fold ministry gifts were given to build the church. Now, in order for the, these five-fold ministry gifts to build the church, we have to have connectivity with one another, all right? And we know that all of us have been given spiritual gifts to operate in. And every spiritual gift that's been given to you has been given so you can bless somebody else. So if I say that I can do it by myself, I don't need nobody else, then what I'm saying is, God, your plan for my life is not sufficient for me. There are many Christians who, who, who try to go it alone. There are many of you all who say, well, Pastor, I understand. I'm just talking about this community stuff. But you know what? I, 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 you, know, I, <laughs> you know, I know people now. I, I, you know, I've been around people a long time, Pastor. And, 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 and I just, you know, I just don't go about this interdependent stuff. I, 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 I want to make sure that, that I can do it by myself so that if, if people don't act right, I don't have to fool with them. But let me tell you something. You cannot use your spiritual gift to bless others if you're not connected with them. Are y'all with me today? Transformation will not occur at the level that God wants it to occur if we're not in interdependent relationship with one another. In other words, we, we were groomed to be independent, but God says, I need you to be interdependent. You're not groomed to be dependent. Some adults are too dependent on other people and not on God. Some adults have forgot that God wants to use you amen, and, and stop trusting and depending on other people so much that you don't depend on God. Can I get a witness today? So, so, so in order for us to grow, we must understand that we must abide in interdependent relationship. Go with me to first Philippians chapter number one. Look at verses three to six. Philippians chapter number one. Verse 3 through 6. Are y'all there with me? Are we going to pop it up? Thank you so much. 
First Philippians chapter one, verse three through six. God is a good God. Amen. And how many of y'all know he's worthy to be praised? Notice what Paul says here. Every time I think of you, I give thanks what to my God. Let's read on. It says what? Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with what? With joy. It says what? For you have been my what? My partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it up until now. Next verse says this. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So park there for a second. If I'm saved, that means that God has brought me out of darkness and placed me into his marvelous light. He's placed my foot, amen, in the, in the, in the ground of salvation. And now he wants to use me to reach other people. Now, what he says here is, Paul says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you. How many of y'all started, but then you stopped? Any of y'all have any started, stop piercing your, in your, I, I need some hands raised. It's confession time. How many of y'all have gotten complacent along your journey at periods of time? Let me tell you something. God still wants to complete the good work that he started in you. He still wants to use you to reach others with the gospel message. And your gifting cannot be afforded to sit on the sideline because you have something that all of us need. And so in order for us to, to utilize that, we have to operate in authentic community. Now, now, again, authentic community goes beyond just being here at church. Because one of the things that we realize is that most people don't have a problem coming to church. I mean, most people who say they're born again. All the, how many out here are born again believers? Uh, you're here in church, right? And are you listening via live stream? We don't have a problem coming here, but community goes beyond just here because coming to church, usually just coming to church doesn't result in transformation. Transformation happens when I do life, when I connect with others outside of the four walls of the church. Now, again, from a practical standpoint, from a theological standpoint, I think we understand that. But in order for us to live that out in our everyday life, we have to be intentional. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we got to be intentional. So what does it mean to be intentional? All right. I think we all know this. And I, you know, because this lady right here on this front row, Sister Adam, would you stand up right quick? Come on, stand up. Come on, stand up. If y'all want to put the camera on, put the camera on it. All right. Now, I personally think that she's one of the most beautiful ladies in the world. That's what I personally think. Come on, you, turn around, turn around so they, they get you a cap. Turn, turn around, come on. Come on, turn around, turn around. Turn around. I personally think that she's one of the most beautiful person in the world. But in order for me to have married her, I had to be intentional about communicating with her. To in order to start a relationship. I couldn't have sat in my dorm room at Hudson Hall on the Louisiana Tech campus while she was over in Harper Hall, way across campus, and we made a connection. There had to be some phone call taking place. This is before the, before the days of cell phones, y'all. I, the other day I was, uh, I was showing Ethan, my grandson, thank you, but I didn't tell you to sit down, but that's okay you sat down. 
But this, this, this putty thing here, in order for me to connect with her, I had to be intentional. I had to call, again, before the days of cell phones, we had phones in the room or you went to a pay phone. How many of y'all know what a pay, how many of you tenant on have seen a pay phone? All right, some, some, not 10 or under, y'all ain't 10 or under, y'all. You 55, Jared. Six, 65. I don't know. Now watch this, a pay phone. We either had a pay phone or, or, or a dollar and, you know, and it was the day before call ID and hopefully the line was not busy, but I had to be intentional about connecting with her. Now I'll tell you this, the first time she reached out to me. Okay, y'all thinking about Brother Norris McGill <laughs> last week and I'm the hero of the story. Am I right about you? did reach out to me first, right? But then when I decided I was going to call her back, she pretended like, Richard, that she wasn't. <laughs> when I called her back, I said, am I speaking to Maria? Uh, she's not here. <laughs> I said, that sounded like the young lady that reached out to me. So now after three weeks, I'm reaching back out to her. She's ghosting me. She was ghosting me before ghosting was a term. <laughs> Do y'all know what ghosting means? You see me calling and you ignore it. You saw my text and pretend like you didn't get it. That's called ghosting. You won't. So she ghosted me. I'm like, I thought she showed interest in me, and now she's ghosting me. Well, to make a long story short, we did end up having our first date. And by the way, uh, when we were in Houston, Texas this last week, we went by Burger King for the first time and sat down and ate in a Burger King in I don't know how many years. And that was reflective of our first date, Ava, as boyfriend and girlfriend. My first date with her, I was high class. I took her to Burger King. <laughs> Henry, I took her to Burger King and she got a Whopper with cheese, no onions, add mustard, cut it in half. I still remember it. And she still gets the Whopper she did last, this past Saturday, a Whopper with cheese, no onion, add mustard, cut it in half. But that was our first date. I thought I was in high cotton. Because back then, Burger King was a place. It was a place. But, but anyhow, in order for us to develop a relationship, I had to reach out to her, right? So, so the, the reaching out to her ultimately resulted in the, the bringing together of a relationship. So when, when we talk about community in the church, understand something. It has to go beyond just here. And it doesn't happen organically. Some of y'all sit there and say that when I say, okay, call somebody, connect with somebody who you don't normally connect with. You ain't, I, I'm not, that, that's feel like it's forced, Pastor. Well, connectivity and community is going to be something you got to be intentional about. I had to be intentional in order to, to win this woman's heart. And if you're going to connect with people, you can't just wait for it just to happen. Well, we, you know, we just kind of go to church together. Sometimes, somehow or another, we, we end up being friends. No, no, no. It's not about friendship. It's about being connected together in authentic community. That means that I got to be intentional. When I told you to reach out to somebody who was a sinner, remember I told you that a couple weeks ago? Did any of y'all find a sinner to go to lunch with? I told you, don't tell them you... Don't call them a sinner because you probably will offend them. But you got to be intentional to be evangelistic, Sherry. We got to be intentional. You can't just hope it's going to happen by osmosis. I got to wake up in the morning and say, God, put me in front of somebody who needs to know you today. 
Put me in front of somebody and give me an opportunity to start a conversation, Brenda, so that I can share with them and build a relationship so that I can tell them about the Savior who, who, who transformed my life. I got to be intentional. Too many of us are not intentional about building authentic community. So as a result, we end up being alone. Everybody say alone. Now, now get back, get back. Because what, what God is saying here is Jesus has removed the barrier. So there was separation. Uh, the Gentiles were separated. But now, the second point is reconciliation. What God did for the Gentiles. We see this. Go back, go back with me, if you will. To Ephesians, the second chapter. What God did for the Gentiles. Verse 13. Can we get back there? Y'all there? He says, but now you have been united with Christ. Jesus, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, let me stop right there. So if, if Jew and Gentile mean every other ethnicity, if he brought them together as one in the body of Christ, God was intentional in doing so, Right? Now, go with me, if you will, to Acts. I think it's the 16th chapter of Acts. Go to Acts 16 and look at verse number one. So what are we saying? What are you saying, but Pastor? Well, if God broke down the middle wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile so they all could come together as one, and through this we're going to see as we get to these last verses in this chapter that that was his plan to show the world that 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 God's manifold wisdom is much deeper, much wiser, and far beyond the wisdom of Satan, who tried to steal God's glory, got kicked out of heaven. And God says, through my church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this di- different kaleidoscope of people of different ethnicities together into one body to show that unity that Jesus prayed about in John the 17th chapter, because his plan all along is for the unity of the church to be on display before the heavenly host. That God's wisdom far exceeds Satan's wisdom. We'll, we'll unpack this for a second. Now watch what the text says. Paul, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was what? A Jewish believer, but his father was what? Alright, so you had a Jewish person and a Greek person, a Gentile who were married. They were Biological. Okay, we said today they were mixed. Timothy was what mixed. He had a Jew and a Gentile who came together and, and, and created Timothy. A husband and a wife come together to create baby. A man and a man can never come together and create baby. A woman and a woman can never come together and create life. Biologically, it doesn't happen. Not in the natural order of things, it doesn't happen, right? So the Bible says Timothy was still well thought of by the believers in Lystra and what? In Iconium. Now, now, it says, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was Greek. So, so in other words, Paul says, now listen, I'm going to this area where there were Jews, primarily Jews, and I'm taking Timothy, who everybody knows he's mixed. 
He's biracial, if you will. And let me say this loud, out purpose and clear so that everybody can understand. God does not care from a standpoint of mission plan what your ethnicity is. Now, he'll use your ethnicity to reach people, but, but your ethnicity should never become a God. In our church, we should never focus on what people look like on the outside. Do you hear me? Anytime we start focusing on what people look like on the outside, we will lose our purpose and our focus and the gospel will become tainted because we chose to elevate the ethnicity, celebrate your ethnicity, but don't elevate it above the gospel. You never heard, you never heard me say, don't celebrate your ethnicity, did you? But I said, once it becomes a, 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 a defining factor that causes you to separate, it's become a God. And God said, I ain't going to have no other God before me. Right? So Paul, so, so Paul wanted to be able to reach them. So he said, Timothy, uh, tell you what, just do me a favor. We're going to circumcise you so we can reach these Jews. Because I've oftentimes wondered, I haven't really studied this out. How'd they know that he wasn't circumcised? Well, they probably thought, they probably knew because he was Gentile, and they sure that Gentiles didn't necessarily do this. But I don't know how they confirmed it. If he said, hmm, here, I'm confirmed. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody search it out and come back and talk to him about it. I just never searched it out, okay? But he says, to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Next verse, read. It says, then they went from town to town, Instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem, because they'd had they'd had a they'd had a, a powwow, they'd had a a, um, uh, a a a leadership council to address how the gospel was going to go to these Gentile nations. Now, Paul, the apostle Paul, was a uh, was a purveyor of gospel truth to the Gentile nations. He got in trouble as a result of it. Y'all remember that, right? But my point is this. God did some reconciliation. He brought these groups together in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean for us? Let me say this out loud and on purpose. The picture that Jesus wants shown to the world is not going to happen if we're not intentional about it. All right, can can I I break it down for you right quick? All right, how many of y'all grew up and you had a friend who was of a different ethnicity than you. I mean, y'all were, y'all were friends. Y'all went over to the house and stuff. You, I mean, you really had friends, okay? All right, let me ask you this question. How many of you have friends now as adults that are of different ethnicities that come over to your house, you go over to their house? Because we got some here. Got the military folks here. Mil- military folks here. I, I, I love the military because the military, if, if we go in the foxhole, I need to know that you're with me whether I'm black or white. If they shooting at me, I don't care, Jerry, what color. I got two Marines here. There's two of them right here. And if they're in a the foxhole, they don't care what color that guy is. Who them. They want to know that we're on the same team fighting for the same purpose. Are y'all with me? So now, listen, in today's society, I'm telling you, if, if, if we're going to display gospel unity, because the world can't see the universal church. The world can't see what's happening in heaven but they can see what's happening on earth. Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We know in heaven that men of every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne of God worshiping him. If that's happening in heaven, God says what's happening on earth should be a precursor of what's going to happen in heaven. But that won't happen if we're not intentional. Well, Pastor, you know, just, you know, why, what's wrong with, what's wrong with, what's wrong with it is, is that Jesus says that I need my people to experience such perfect unity that the world will notice you sent me and the world will believe that you love them just as much as you love me. So the world can't see the universal church. The world can't see. I told you before, when I, when I look at what's happening in the NCAA tournament and I watch this, I see the unity at a, at a basketball game, Brother Kenny, but I don't see it in church. I mean, the picture that God is trying to paint. So I thank God that, that, that we're going to be intentional about being uh, 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 multi-ethnic. Can I say it again? If God, not, so listen, you don't know like I know what the Lord has told me. And I am not going to disappoint my God. I am not going to refuse to be uh, who God told me to be. He says, I call you to be a bridge. And I'm not going to go to my grave not doing what God called me to do. Because all I'm doing is unpacking Bible. I know, I, I read, and I, I, I'm not confused. I know that there are some people who don't like this message. But take it up with God. I've shown you biblically what the Bible says. Right? Now, I'm not saying it. Any of y'all have a problem with this, but some of y'all may. As a matter of fact, I know some of y'all do. But I'm going to love you through it, and I'm going to teach it out of you. <laughs> if your heart is right, I'm going to teach it out of you. If, if you will follow the word of God, it's going to be very clear to you that God's purpose was to bring Jew and Gentile together in one body. We just saw it. For the purpose of displaying the unity that shows the angelic host that God's wisdom far outseeds that of Satan. As a matter of fact, go with me to Ephesians, the third chapter. So, so reconciliation, what God did for this, that he reconciled them to the faith. So that in Christ, you can agree, male, no female, bond, no free, we're all one in Christ. What I'm saying is, if we as a church and you as an individual are going to display this, you have to be intentional. Now, some people think intentionality means that you're forcing me to do this. I think about Dr. King and his message. Can y'all, let's think about that for a second. Dr. King and his message and the message of, 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 of opportunity for all and to connect communities of faith and people across different racial uh, ethnic grounds, uh, that message was not accepted by all those who were of his own ethnicity. It was not. We celebrate him today, but there were a lot of, of his own people who discarded him and thought that he was crazy for approaching this thing this way. But guess what? What he was on to was biblically based. And what he was on to uh, as it relates to, 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 to bringing people together uh, uh, as one based off of the content of their character rather than the color of their skin is, is, is biblical all the way through and through. Are y'all with me today? But everybody didn't like it. So everybody's not going to like what the Bible says about Jew and Gentile becoming one. As a matter of fact, Paul faced his most intense persecution from folks who didn't want that to happen. All right? Are y'all with me today? Ephesians, the third chapter. So, so what God did for the Gentiles. Look what the, look what the text says. Chapter 3, 
verse number six. Come on, I got I to gotta get out of here. All right, so we got separation. We want to separate. Just have to separate, but now we got reconciliation. And third, we're going to have unification of what Jews and Gentiles are in Christ. So if I'm going to be intentional in displaying this unit, that means that I, in my own individual life, and we as a church body, have to do our part. Now, I can't, I can't be concerned about how somebody's going to respond to me. All I got to be is concerned about me being obedient to what God told me to do. That's why some people don't evangelize because they say, well, they, they're not going to listen to me. They're gonna, people are going to do this and they're going to say this. And, and I, I, you know, if they don't want to hear it, then fool, I'm going about my business. No! All of us have been called to be evangelists of the gospel message, to take this message to those who don't know Christ. But you got to be intentional. It don't just happen by osmosis. And this picture that Jesus wants us to paint has to be intentional. Paul was intentional in his outreach to the Gentile region. He went there on purpose. He didn't wait for them. He went to them on purpose. Paul, the Jew, went to the Gentile nations to preach the gospel. Watch what the text says here. Y'all there? Let's read. And this is God's plan. Y'all are not reading. See that? See, this is a participatory sermon. Y'all know me by now. How many of y'all been with me for 15, 20 years, 30 years? Y'all know we're going to read scripture, right? So now when I ask you to read, and you don't read, is that obedience or disobedience? <laughs> come on, come on, let's talk, talk. Well, you know, Brother Pastor, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't need you to tell me to read. See, see, the reason why some people are not farther along in Christ is because you think it's all about what you want. And you haven't learned how to obey those who have the spiritual authority over you, for they watch for your souls. All right, so now, we're going to read again. All right? So if you got offended when I said that, check your heart. Now, let me ask you this. When you were in school and your teacher told you to read, what did you do? Read. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Now you're going to give it. Hey, you got a problem with me? I'm just joking. Watch this. Kind of, kind of, kind of. Come on, let's read together. It says what? And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally. Both. By God's grace, come on, and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this what? That God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. This part of God's plan was secret in the Old Testament. I asked the question uh, in our class, uh, when I go to vessels on the last Wednesday, how many of y'all love a good mystery or a good mystery show or suspense or detective show? They start naming stuff like Canon and Mannix and uh, what's the, what was the other one they named? Kojak. How many of y'all remember Canon? How many of y'all remember Kojak? How many of y'all remember uh, uh, who? Barnaby. Oh, yes. Barnaby, Barnaby Jones. 
Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas was so old, but he could solve the mystery. Right? Everybody loves a good mystery, right? I love good mystery suspense movies. Anybody like me? Give me one of them good suspense movies who done it. I love it. Well, now, guys, we have the privilege of knowing, amen, the unfolding of the mystery that was hidden under the old covenant. Watch this. I have chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Now, watch this. Verse 10. Don't miss this. God, can we read together? Let's read. God's purpose in all of this. What is this? No, 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 this, the plan, the mysterious plan, the plan, the gospel that was preached aforetime to Abraham. Gospel means what? Good news, news, all right? God's purpose in all this was to use what? To use what? To use what? To do what? To display his wisdom. Stop parking right there. God wants to use his church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the now unseen rulers and the thoughts in heaven place are different classifications of angelic beings and demonic spirits. Because remember, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he took some of the, the angelic hosts with him, right? Cast down the earth. You know, came and tempted Adam and Eve, then sin entered the world, right? So those angelic beings, and quote, now the demonic spirits, saw that happen. God says, I'm going to use my church to display my manifold wisdom. When they killed him and crucified him on the cross, they thought they were doing themselves a favor. But that what they did not recognize is by Jesus Christ going to the cross, you and I will have a chance to be saved. You and I will come to the body of Christ. God's manifold wisdom far exceeded anything that Satan attempted to do. And he says right here, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display. Now, how is it going to be displayed if we're only talking about the church in heaven? It cannot be displayed unless it's seen in the local church. And that's what we're lacking. Junior boy came home. He came last night. He came and he told me, said, he said, now he, he do stuff that I don't, I mean, I just, I'm like, man, how you, what, what are you doing? He, he, he flies to Dallas to go to the women's final four and then fly, watch two games and flies back home. Now, who does that? I, I didn't have the money to do any of that when I was at age. So he flew over to Dallas, went to the final four, and he came into my office and he said, Dad, Caitlin Cole. Yeah, see, if, you, if you haven't been watching, you don't know who Kate. All, all Magic Johnson said was Caitlin. Y'all, have y'all heard of Caitlin Clark who plays for our? That girl's bad. I mean, she shoots three-pointers. She, they got to play LSU today, so y'all go watch it. Go watch Caitlin Clark, right? But, but those teams have come together, and, and, and that girl is, is displaying some, 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 some extraordinary talent that hasn't been seen in a long time, right? She's bad. But she got a she got a face Bayou Barbie. How many of y'all heard of Bayou Barbie? That's one. Of, that's one. Of, I see some of y'all don't. Tell me y'all don't follow this. This, this, this ain't resonating with all y'all. That's, that's that's Angel Reese, LSU star player. I mean, she she dresses beautiful. She got a, she got a little hair and makeup and it's a little. Yeah. 
They call it by, okay, in it, in it. So he gets to do stuff that, that, you know, he'll fly, he'll fly somewhere. He and Galen go fly somewhere and eat and fly back home. I'm like, what, what are you doing, boy? He's trying to get his flight hours up, okay? All right, but anyhow, my point is this. Those teams have come together and they are competing for a crown. Watch what the text says. That God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the unseen rule and authorities in what? In heavenly places. In other words, he's looking to display this before the angelic host. Look at verse number 11. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. He carried it out through Christ Jesus. How did he carry it out? Well, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, all of us are now can come together into one body. But the world can't see that in God's followers because the church for too long has been divided. Denominationally, ethically, socioeconomically. See, this church is going to be a church for everybody, whether you're low income or high income or middle income, whether you're a professional or maybe you're a common laborer. It don't matter in here. As a matter of fact, we tell everybody, check your title at the door because it don't mean anything in here. And I mean that. I'm, I'm laughing because I remember Sister Addie Johnson wrote to her son, said, told him to keep my service simple. And in parentheses, she put, I mean it. <laughs> and we kept it simple. See, God, God wants to show that display says this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus. Our Lord. So through, through Christ Jesus, we now have the privilege of coming together as one in him. But he's using the church to do that. But when Jesus prayed that, before he went to the cavern, and I'm closing, he says, I pray that they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and the world will believe that you love them as much as you love me. So we're going to do our part. I I can't help what somebody else does because I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm responsible for what I do. How intentional are you in cultivating community with those who are in your family of faith right now? How intentional are you and say, you know what? I'm going to reach out to somebody within my local church congregation. Just, just take them to lunch. Just have some time together. I'm going to get out of my little cocoon. I'm going to get out of my little comfort zone. I'm going to leave my house. Any of y'all that stay at the house all the time? Now I'm telling, can I, can I tell on Doyle Adams? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with being by myself. But that's not what God called me to do. And I'm not there, some of y'all are like, well, Pastor, I'm good. But you're really not good because God wants to use you to reach somebody else. So unification, what Jews and Gentiles are in Christ, they're unified. Look, let me close it. Look at 19, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Unification. Watch this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house 
built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. It's Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So, Brother Pastor, okay, so since we know this, we're learning the doctrinal foundation for the church. Since we know this, Pastor, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? What I'm telling you is, as your pastor, I want all of our hearts to be right toward people, regardless of who they are. And regardless of what they've done. Because my heart is not right toward people. It can't be right toward God. Did y'all hear me? What God is telling us is, is that be intentional in displaying amongst Christian the kaleidoscope of a color-blessed church body. Not colorblind, but color-blessed. There's a difference. Colorblind means I don't see color. God sees color. I see you. Some of us are in black. Some are white. And it, that, that's, that's even a, a misnomer there because we're different shades, different hues or whatever, you know. But anyhow, just for, 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 for commonality, we're different in here, but that's okay. Because God wants to use us to show that we are different ethnically, but we come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus. And we're going to do life together, and we're going to love together, we're going to serve together, and we're going to do it the way God wants us done. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> Every head bowed everybody close. Father, we thank you.